is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Well, yeah, Jeremy, good to be with you again. And for those of you watching on Facebook Live, uh, on Thursdays, we do the Youth Worker Recharge. It's sort of a a good time for Jeremy and I. It, It definitely fills our own cups a little bit to have some fun and, and either laugh or cry about ministry, depending on how the week has gone. <laughs> right. um, and I think that that's true for a lot of youth workers out there. Um, and we're plowing through uh, our crash courses on youth ministry that we published uh, at the end of last year. And actually had just crossed Chris, like, the several thousand this is not, mark. This is not right. We're not plowing through it. We yes. are, we are bouncing through it. We're skating through it. This is a wonderful, these things are so much fun. Actually, I'm super excited about the one today. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because this one, we get to talk about coffee, coffee. right? Yes. You, we're talking about discipleship, but but you have like a way to think about discipleship that also allows you to talk about coffee, right? Uh, yes, it's very true. And part of the reason that this idea kind of came into my mind and has become part of my trainings um, is that we have all experienced church coffee. Ooh. Yes. See, and that is exactly what people do when I say church coffee, right? Why, why do you have to bring that up? That coffee has been put out in the fellowship hall. Maybe there's like donuts by it, or maybe there's not. There's little paper cups. Maybe there's sugar and creamer. Um, it's something that's always there, but in a lot of churches is not treated with a lot of intentionality. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah. And at this point, you might be drinking Folgers that was purchased in a giant case before the pandemic. Oh, that's very true. And and probably brewed in, you know, one of those like 30 to 50 liter silver 100. things with the percolator inside uh-huh. that has not been cleaned since the Carter no. administration. Right. No. Well, it's a it's a patina, Chris. It's a patina. <laughs> Is that what they try to sell you on? <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, when it, when I say church coffee, right, like everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows that it's part of sort of church life. It's a tradition. It's a thing that happens, but it's also in a lot of cases, something that's just not done with a lot of intentionality. Uh, and when we're talking to youth workers, <laughs> you are operating on limited time, limited money, limited budget, limited space, limited, all the things. Limited, limited, limited. You do not have the luxury of doing things that are not intentional. And so when I talk about discipleship and getting into like intentional discipleship systems, coffee is a great example because you can look at church coffee and the intentionality that goes into it, the face that we make that we hear about it, and then the relationships or the conversations that come out about it afterwards. Enough vanilla creamer in anything will make it taste like vanilla creamer. It's true. It's kind of how Frappuccino started marketing to young people, right? Or uh, Starbucks Frappuccinos. It's not that you really like coffee. You actually just like blended up ice cream. (laughs) But we're going to get you hooked on caffeine and you're going to keep coming back when you're a grown up. So good on you, Starbucks. Um, However, when we're talking coffee and discipleship um, and intentional discipleship systems, like intentionality means that you're going to do something on purpose. Um, Discipleship is something that you're going to do that creates transformation. Uh, And then a system is like the order of steps or the things that you're going to do on purpose in a row in order to help that transformation happen. So, Jeremy, if I was going to bother you about um, making a cup of coffee, tell me how you would do it in like a minute. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, uh, did, did it this morning. We, I get my beans. I got some really great beans from friends who visited us uh, from my old home area. Beans from my favorite coffee roaster that's there. So I've got those. I put I put two of my bean scoops, which is different than a normal scoop. My bean scoops into the burr grinder, which is an important piece of the process uh, because that makes sure it's ground the right coarseness. Put it in the burr grinder, comes out. Then uh, I've got a water kettle that's been set to 200 and then i've got my french press pour the ground wonderful coffee and then the 200 degree water until for four minutes and then i press it down and then you don't add anything to it because that that's oh well no no no. well it depends so for me for me we're gonna put uh we're gonna put in a cup I'm going to put one spoon of sugar and a splash of cream for my wife. It's poured in a cup, two spoons of sugar, a lot more cream. Ah, perfect. Okay. So you've got your steps down, right? Like you know how to make the kind of coffee that you like, you know how to make the kind of coffee that your wife likes. What are the things that affect that the flavor of the coffee that you're making? Right. Starting at the very beginning where everything does, right? So the beans, where the beans come from. Of course, they are ground, how old or new they are. You don't want beans that are old that have been exposed to air. The air is the bad part. You don't also don't want to put them in the freezer because you don't want freezer burn on your, on your coffee. Yep. Um, Yeah. So the the temperature that they're roasted at, right? Like the roasting process, whether you do that at home or somebody roasts them for you, right? Like that makes a huge difference. Where the beans are grown changes the taste. Yeah. Um, Right. Cause they, they pull up different nutrients and different flavors from the soil. Right. mm -hmm. Um, And then the transformational processes that those beans go through, right? The roasting, right. the brewing in the hot water. Um, and, and that can be affected by the coarseness of how they're ground or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But th- there's a real difference between like doing a French press versus a pour over versus oh, yeah. a cold brew versus a K cup versus opening the right. Starbucks app on your phone and just saying, I'd like the coffee, please. That's also an option. <clears throat> so when we think about this in terms of discipleship, if we were to think about in the end, you know what kind of coffee you want to make, right? Like, you know, the kind of coffee that you prefer. Um, Your church and your youth ministry should have an idea of what a healthy disciple looks like at the Mm. end of the discipleship processes of your church. Okay. Mm. The the, Chris, yeah, go ahead. Just going to stop you there. What I've been in lots of churches that could not answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does a healthy discipleship look? Uh, uh, what does a healthy disciple look like at the end of that process? Can you give me just one good definition? Cause I know it's like, it could be a lot of things, but what's one that you've heard that you're like, I, this is a, this is a good one. Like, this is something we can work with. Um, Cause I, most of the time I will be in a, I, I'll be in a meeting and People will be like, oh, you know, in order to do this, we need to know, like, what do we want from discipleship? And he's like, well, well what do we want? And it's just like a deer in a head, like, Ugh. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Uh, if you go back to the one we did last week, there's eight different ways of defining discipleship that we kind of pulled apart there. Uh-huh. If any of those eight are good for you, those are pretty good for me. Um, one of my favorite ones um, is that if your youth ministry creates disciples who recognize and sp- uh, celebrate spiritual maturity, that is one of the hallmarkers for me. Um, And that's not an age specific one, right? Like, because you've got youth that are involved in your uh, ministry, you've got parents, you've got families, you've got volunteers. 
if the transformational opportunities that you offer provide people with knowledge and skills and experience to be able to recognize spiritual maturity in themselves and in other people hmm. and give them opportunities to celebrate that growth, that's a huge one for me. Um, so for me, yeah, like if I was going to say, I'm looking for disciples that recognize and celebrate spiritual maturity. Everything yeah. that I do in my process is going to lead up to that eventual like discipleship goal, right? Like right. the pathway I want them to walk, the milestones I want them to meet, the transformational processes I want them to go through are all done with the goal in mind of helping you recognize and celebrate spiritual maturity. So if you begin with the end in mind, it's really helpful because you know what kind of coffee you like, you know what kind of coffee your wife likes. Um, I'm also going to wager that we've all had kind of like cups of coffee we don't like. Um, and oddly enough, we've probably all met Christians that we don't like either, which is kind of tough. Um, but they have gone through formational processes that have helped them to develop the faith that they have, right? And so understanding that process is part of discipleship, I think is huge, particularly in the formative years or for youth ministry. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so going back to the idea of the beans, right? Um, we talked about uh, beans pick up different flavors. Coffee beans pick up different flavors depending on where they're grown, the temperature, um, the humidity, the sunlight, all that kind of stuff. Um, that means if you are thinking about the young people in your ministry as coffee beans that need to experience transformation in order to become that cup of coffee, pay attention to the community that's around you right? What, yeah. what is the soil that they are growing in and the air that they are breathing? What are the issues that are important to your community? Um, what are your young people talking about and experiencing at school? And how does that mm -hmm. already flavor who they are as they come into the church building or as they come into your, your youth ministry? Right. So if I was to ask you that question, um, your two most recent appointments, right, have been in Southern Alabama, uh -huh. And now in Silicon Valley in California, right. um, what are the influences that are like, fla like have flavored the young people in your ministry differently between those two places? Yeah, I, you know, I think in uh, in one of the places it was uh, there was a, a very um, there was a, a a really solid like this is. These are the couple of ways you dress. These are the couple of ways you there's like a there was like some choice, some some really clear choices, right? The groups were really well defined and and um uh there was also a culture of and of uh respect for authority, deference, I would say deference to authority. Okay. Not just respect, but like I, I should you know, uh, there's that sort of like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Um, sort of form formality. Um, and, and, and I'd say probably just sort of a sense of formality and, and, and sort of that traditional culture. Um, and, in, and then the other place it's been, um, a high level of achievement and, uh, you know, they have parents who are, uh, who are, multi-millionaires many times over uh or or are on the track to be that or super successful leaders in their fields um and they go to schools that are full of people whose parents are like that and who expect to be like that one day that are very driven 
but also it's very multicultural. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, a place where there's not really clearly defined groups and ways of being and thinking um, and dressing. Um, and because it's so multicultural, there are, there are, um, it's in, in one way, it's easier uh, because uh, to be yourself. Mm. Um, in another way, it's difficult because there are cultural things that, because you're talking about everything from uh, somebody who grew up in Tonga to Korea to France to wherever, there are cultural things that you just won't know, can't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And, and that can sometimes make it complicated, complicated to navigate. Yeah. And, and if you were, you know, putting together a, a plan for, you know, youth ministry and what you want your discipleship opportunities to look like, the same things that worked in Mobile, Alabama may yeah. not work in uh, Silicon Valley, California. Right. Right. And, and that comes from being able to reach out in the community and pay attention to the culture that your youth are growing up in, right? Right. Uh, that, that you can't just expect everything to work everywhere. And that, mm-hmm. that honestly, that frustrates some people about the, the way that I talk about discipleship, because there's not like a, a silver bullet. There's not the one answer. Um, mm-hmm. It requires you getting out into the community and figuring out what is the soil that my and the air that is helping to form these youth when they're not uh, in my youth ministry? And then how can mm-hmm. my youth ministry help them respond to what they're going through? Uh, now, so uh, if you're talking coffee beans and, and that kind of stuff, I think we've made that piece kind of clear. Um, the other things that happen when you're brewing the cup of coffee uh, are transformation, right? Those happen with uh, those happen with heat and those happen with water, right? If you're talking about roasting the coffee beans or brewing the coffee beans. Um, and honestly, if you're using like really traditional Christian language, aren't fire and water metaphors everywhere? Right. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So, you know, in your youth ministry, where does the fire come from? Where does the heat come yeah. from? What are the things that you create that provide opportunities for transformation, right? right. Everything in a youth ministry can't be let's all go bowling and hang out Um, because as good as those are for forming relationships and friendships, and there's a place for them in youth ministry. um, If you're being intentional about discipleship and spiritual growth, if all you do is go bowl, you're going to end up with a bowling team at the end. You're not going to end up with disciples. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, And so if we were to use some of that fire or some of that water imagery, Jeremy, like, you know, in, in the ministries that you have led, um, where have the real transformative experiences taken place? And, and I don't mind answering that question first for me. Um, in, in my most recent local church youth setting, uh, those transformation moments were centered on mission trip and short-term mission experiences. Um, it kind of grounded the entire summer. And honestly, people would spend like two to three months preparing for those trips, expecting to be transformed because of their experiences. Um, secondarily, I was at a church that had a tremendous sort of performing arts group and, and creative arts group. Um, and so there was a lot of transformation that happened um, in stage productions uh, and in the rehearsals that those groups would put together. Um, and it's because maybe they're a little bit intense. Maybe they required a little bit more time and, and commitment on behalf of people. But you could really look at the youth and the volunteers at the beginning of those processes and at the end. And really nail down how they were treating each other differently or how they understood 
you know, a concept like uh, poverty or outreach or evangelism or anything like that very differently from the beginning to the end. Um, how about you? Where, where were the transformational pieces in, in your ministry settings? Yeah, you know, I, I've had a lot of the same kind of stuff. Um, I think those, um, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, several, I've had some places that like worship was a big part of that. And some places where worship wasn't so much, right? They, th- there was other values. There was other things that they did. They wanted to to do more hands-on service, or they wanted to do uh, they wanted to to do other things because they found, you know, uh, they found the presence of God much more strongly in advocating for justice than they did in singing songs. Sure. Um, and which is interesting. And I've, I've had lots of friends who've had this same kind of experience where, especially early on in ministry, uh, you, you go to someplace that has, let's just say you, you go to that church. That's like really a worship church. They, they love worship. And so you go on that foreign mission trip and everybody will come back talking about the worship at that foreign mission trip, <laughs> right? Yeah. How powerful it was. Um, and then you leave that setting and you go to another one and you think discipleship is worship, right? Mm. It all comes complete there. And then you try it and you're like, that didn't work. What happened? <laughs> right? Because each place, each culture, each, you know, each uh, plot of soil is different. And you've got to figure out, and, and that's, uh, that's one of the pieces, right? You've got to figure out the culture and the people before you, um, before you can really understand what to do with um, discipleship. One of the places that I, I really do encourage youth workers to pay attention, especially in United Methodist contexts, uh, are looking at the baptismal vows uh, and then what your confirmation ceremony looks like. Oh yeah. Um, when when we're you know trying to pin down like some sort of specific language about okay, um, these are the things that our congregation is supposed to do in terms of helping to raise and support young people in their faith. Um, how does our church do it? Um, and there is no, like, again, there's no one answer to that, right? Because contexts are different everywhere, but you as the youth worker recognizing how your church is trying to do discipleship is going to give you language and, um, prepare you for conversations about if your church is doing that stuff well, uh, or if your church is kind of missing the mark and and missing Mm -hmm. some opportunities and has some places to grow. Yeah. And my expectation is that, um, or my experience is that churches are doing things, right? And sometimes when we are thinking about milestones or discipleship pathways, that kind of stuff, it's not about always coming up with something whole cloth that's new. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's saying, okay, this, these three things are really great. But when we put some strategy around those and add and fill in the holes that they don't address. Now we've got the milestones we need. Now we've got the the pathway that we need. And it's built on the stuff that was working already. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's one of the ways that you, you were able to discern what that pathway, what those milestones should be. Yeah, for sure. And, and if you're in youth ministry, I mean, I love that language of looking at what's already working. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you don't know why it's working, then, you know, take a step back and spend a little time figuring that out. Why, why is this a difference maker for your youth ministry? Why is this a value builder? Why is it a transformational sort of a thing? Right. Um, the, the last sort of bit that I'll, 
I, I guess I'll add to the coffee conversation in terms of discipleship is, um, you know, in the end, we, none of us really like chewing on coffee grounds. Uh, I don't right. think that I've met anybody yet that likes a really chewy cup of coffee. <laughs> like, right. That sounds like kind of an awful way to enjoy that experience. <laughs> um, and the way that we get from, you know, the transformational processes of the coffee beans being roasted, being brewed and steeped, and then eventually being enjoyed and consumed to give us energy and to give us life, um, there's a filtering that happens. Um, and so when I, when I think about discipleship systems at, uh, you know, local churches for youth ministries as well, um, it's a really interesting opportunity to talk about what the filters are in place um, and how you equip and empower young people to understand God's perspective um, on issues that may not match your surrounding culture's stance on certain issues, right? Um, Like if I was to say that the United Methodist really understanding of God's primary characteristic is that God is love. Um, And the reason that we're supposed to show our love for God and show our love for neighbor is that God first loved us and Jesus demonstrated that love and how to love our neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're doing something like like a homeless immersion experience, right? the way that culture talks about homelessness uh, or people that are on the margins of society or who are very poor uh, mm-hmm. is very different than the way that God talks about those people or right. Jesus engages with those communities, right? So you've yeah. got sort of an opportunity and a responsibility to help young people understand God's perspective on social issues, um, yeah. on cultural issues. And you should not shy away from those, right? Like they're not necessarily no, no, no. easy conversations to be able to have, but yeah. they can be really transformative and really paradigm shifting, um, especially if somebody has had an experience and then you as a youth leader can walk them through, okay, let's look at several different stories for how God sort of addresses this topic or how scripture mm. looks at this topic and compare that to what we're hearing from school or from parents or from the culture that's around us. Right, right. Now that's that's absolutely that's absolutely right on point. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I really encourage youth workers to be able to, to generate those kind of opportunities as well. Yeah. Um, and if you're not a coffee drinker, that's okay. Um, however, recognize that you're in the minority of youth yes. workers, right? Like youth ministry for a long time has been powered by caffeine. 100. There's just no way around it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know what? It's, it's even gotten to the point that like on trips and stuff with kids, I used to have to outlaw energy drinks. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Because the ones that didn't like coffee, they would get monsters or they would get Red Bulls. Oh, gosh, and whatever. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. We're going to be in a bus for three hours. Thanks for pounding two Red Bulls before we all sat down. So, thanks. <laughs> um, our discipleship conversation is going to continue into next week. Um, yep. And as a bit of a teaser for that one, um, I've got three really specific sort of outcomes uh, mm. and behaviors for discipleship that we're going to talk about, uh, as well as like the absolute single easiest discipleship pattern that I can talk about right. that every youth leader needs to know. Yep. I mean, it's just, everybody's got to have it super easy and everybody's got to have it. So I look forward to that conversation tomorrow. And uh, I don't know, Jeremy, do you need a, another cup of coffee today before we're done? Or are you good? 100. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing this one off. Okay. Well, enjoy that. Cheers. One. Make sure to uh, take care of yourselves, youth workers out there. Thanks yes. for hanging out with us for the recharge today. And uh, Jeremy and I will plan to see you next week. All right. See you then.